14 to 25 up, please. So the trouble, now Paul's, Paul's talking about sinning in his life and, and, how that, and how that works inside of his heart and inside of his mind. And he gets to this thought, so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I'm all too human, a slave to sin, if we can keep going. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law, that the law is good. See, even if you do things wrong, it doesn't necessarily mean that you believe it's right. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're, you're kind of ripping apart the Bible and the thought inside the Bible. Sometimes things in our hearts we know is wrong. We still get tempted into, into sin and, and sometimes we falter in those circumstances, but we still know that it's wrong. And, and he continues to, to say, if we can go to the next one, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Has anyone ever felt that? I want to do what's right. Two brave people to put there. I'm up there too, guys. I want to do what's right, but I just can't do it. If we can continue, Paul, Paul it's such an amazing thought this, hey? Like, I've, I've skipped over this part of the Bible so many times. Romans 8 is like my favorite like, passage of Scripture, but I've skipped over 7 so much. And uh, I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That's effectively saying, Paul is effectively saying, I'm about to drop the mic on you. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he finishes with this, thank God. Sorry, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. We want to do what's right. We do. We, we, know, we, we know what is right, and we know that that's what we've got to do, but sometimes we still get tempted. Sometimes we still sin anyway, and we get caught in this trap that the devil has, has made and hatched for you, that as soon as, even though that you know something is wrong, like if, if your parents have told you not to take the money that's on the counter, and you take the money that's on the counter, and then your parents go, where is the money on the counter? What are you going to feel inside? You know that it was wrong to do it, but you're going to start to feel guilted. You're going to start to, as you, as you pull the, the $20 out of your pocket and give it back to them, you start to feel shame. 
at doing what's wrong. You start to feel guilted by the fact that you knew that that was right. You knew what was right, but you still did the wrong thing. And this is the trap that the devil fits us into and we fall into it time and time again. But, but it says in Romans 8.1, he follows up with that thought of, I want to do what's right, but I can't. And he finishes with this, so now, or therefore. And I love this, this version. Oh, it's the NCV. Those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. Praise God. So now, those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. Do you know that, that guilt is not an emotion from God? Do you, do you know that? That guilt, the, the feeling of guilt does not come from God because it is negative, it is downplaying, and it does not edify you. It only tears you down. Conviction comes from God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our convictor. Conviction is that quiet little voice like, little Jimmy... Don't touch the stove because you're going to burn yourself. Guilt is, why did you touch the stove? You knew that was wrong. I heard it, I heard it put this way one, one time. that It's like a dog, a talking dog. Go with me. The, the Bible says that donkeys can talk. So I, there's a talking dog. And he's on this other side of the gate. And he's, he's going, let me out. Let me out. Let me out. I promise I won't run away. I just want a bit of fresh air. Like, let me out. I just want to see what the front yard looks like. Like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And, and eventually you open the door and you let him out and he runs out and he turns around and he goes, why did you do that? I'm going to run away now. That was silly. Why did you do that? It was really silly. And he runs off. And all of a sudden you're standing there feeling really stupid and really like guilted and shame. Like, why did I let the dog out? That's sin and temptation in our lives. The devil will sit there and he'll prod at you. You know what's right but he'll prod at you and he'll prod at you and he'll prod at you. Do it anyway. It's okay and we fall in and we falter. But that's okay because those who are in Christ Jesus are not judged guilty. You know, there's this, there's this passage just earlier on that I was reading before. I want to read it out to you. This, um, Paul says but in Romans 7, just before, At one time I lived without the understanding of the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came into my life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. The devil uses God's very own commands, the things that were made to be good. Excuse me. The things that were made to edify you and build you up and, and set you out for a life of, 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 that is good and is not harmful. The devil uses those to falter you. You see, if we can get this picture up, there's a picture of this painting. It's one of my favorite paintings um, not only because I'm good at chess and I beat Lachlan every time I play him, right? Yeah, no, not at all. But because the story behind it, now this is a, let me get this right, this painting is painted by Frederick Moritz August Reich. 
It's like a Z and then an S-C-H. So, like, that's my... And it's, it's titled Checkmate. Now, it was up in the um, Art Museum in France. That's, that's... Go with it, guys. Come on. I don't speak French. Um, but it was, it was up in this art museum in France until it was bought in 1999 and it's now privately owned. But it's entitled Checkmate. This guy on the left, that's the devil. The guy on the right, that is us, you, me, anyone. And there's an angel there looking. And, and the picture's description is this. The, the devil's looking very smug and very excited because if the man loses this chess game, his soul goes to the devil. And the man's looking worried because what's just happened is the devil's made a move and he's put himself in what's called checkmate. The devil has just won the game, effectively. Or so that's what the, the image, the, the, the description goes by. And the story goes like this. There was a young uh, chess expert. And he comes into this museum hearing all about this painting, and he's um, so interested to look at this painting, and he comes forward to it, and he walks up to it. And he stands there, and he studies it. And now there's someone with him, and, and the person with him is like, come on, there's other paintings. Let's go look at the other paintings. What are we doing? But he stands there, and he stands there for a solid half an hour, And there's all these people walking around him, and he's just oblivious to what's going on around him. And out of nowhere, he just screams out, no, it's wrong. The painting's wrong. See, I don't know chess, so I can't tell you what the move was. But this expert who had studied the board said, no, the king has one more move. It's not checkmate. In fact, the move that the king has can win the game. It's not over. The king has one more move. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the king has one more move. He had one more move for Daniel in the lion's den. He had one more move for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He had one more move for the woman at the well. That your life is not over. That you're not stuck in this trap. You're not checkmated. God has one more move. The king has one more move. The king has one more move. I need you to believe this tonight because the devil will speak guilt and he'll speak shame and he'll try and tear your life down to the point in which you're just stuck, unable to do anything. But God says opposite. God says you are free. You're not found guilty. I have one more move. And that that move was the cross. See, the cross brought freedom, not only to the people in that day and age, not only to the people now, but it brought freedom to those in the past, it brought freedom to those in the present, those in the future. The Bible actually says that after Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, and he resurrected, he he went and he pleaded with those in hell. He pleaded with those who had previously died. See, even those who had previously died had an opportunity had one more move. It wasn't like because they died before Jesus had died on the cross, that was it for them, no, more, no, no eternity with God. But they, they even had one more move. I want you to know tonight that you have one more move. I'm not telling you that it's okay to go and sin as much as you want because, because you're not found guilty. What I'm telling you is that through repentance, there's one more move. 
There is freedom through repentance that no matter what you've done, no matter the bad things that you've done in your life, no matter the traps that you've fallen into, no matter the difficulties, no matter the hardships, God forgives you. That all it takes is coming before Him and God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Repentance means to turn 180, to turn away from what you were doing. That the moment you come before God in in repentance, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm turning away from it. You're forgiven. For those who are in Christ Jesus, they are not found guilty. I want to tell you tonight that you are not guilty. No matter what the enemy has been speaking to you, no matter what what you've, you've been stuck in, no matter what keeps you up at night, you are not guilty. You are not guilty. There is no too far. There is no too bad. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing. There is, you are not guilty. The greatest trick of the enemy is to, to, to turn God's scriptures against you. To use the very law that was meant to, to edify you and to build you up and to, to snare you and to keep you captive. But the Bible, my Bible says that Jesus came to set the captives free. So I want you to know tonight that if if you're, if you're in bondage, if you're, if you're a captive, that you're not guilty. You can be set free. God came to set you free. See, that when Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, people often say that it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross, but it was love, that he held himself there. Because in reality, he could have called a legion of angels to come through and rescue him. He could, have, he could have stepped down off that cross, but it wouldn't have done you or me any good. It wouldn't have done the people there any good. It wouldn't have done our children or our children's children any good. He had to die so that we could be set free because you are not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. If that's the only thing you remember, then I've brought what God wanted to say tonight. Because he just wants you to know that you are not guilty. No matter what, what thought is plaguing your mind even right now, you are not guilty. You are not guilty. You know, and we, to truly, to truly understand and to truly gather what, what great magnitude it was that that Christ died on the cross. To truly understand that completely, you need to understand this, that he didn't just die so that that we could have eternity with God, but he died so that we could have life now. The Bible says that I've come to bring life and life to its fullest. I've come to bring life to you. I've come to set you free. God is saying, Jesus is saying, "I've I've come to set you free. I've come to bring you life because you are not guilty. I hate shame. Shame is not from God. Shame is negative. It's to tear people down and it's not to build you up. So let me tell you this right now. If you, if you feel guilt, if you feel shame, that is not from God. Conviction is from God. That soft, polite, small voice is from God. That one filled with love is from God. Not guilt, not shame, because they, they're just so filled with, with anger and disgust and, and evil. But you are not guilty. So tonight, I want to pray for you. If, that, if that's you, if in your mind you're sitting there thinking, God, I, I, need, I need forgiveness from this. I, I, I can, 
I'm just being plagued by this. I'm just being overrun by this thought. I feel like I'm so captured by it. God's in this place for you tonight so that you could be set free, so that you can go and live a life to its fullest for Him and to bring Him glory because there is no good being caught up in a a, a trap of the enemy because you can't serve God as much as you want to do because there's always that one thing in your mind that's holding you back. But God tonight wants to say, I want to set you free. I want to slingshot you into your destiny. I want to set you free tonight. So I'm going to pray But if that's you, I would invite you to come down. The altar's open. I just want to pray for people. If if that's you, if anything I've said tonight is lingering in your mind and and ticking over, I believe that God wants to set you free. I want to pray for you. So I'm going to pray, and if the worship team want to come, and and then, yeah, we'll open up the altar to to anyone that wants to, to come and get prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Father, for what you sent your son to do on the cross. God, I thank you so much for the gift of salvation, for the gift of freedom. Lord, I thank you that that we're no longer guilty. We're no longer shameful, God, but we are not guilty. We are set free. Lord, we recognize that it does not give us a reason to keep sinning. Your your word says, should I continue sinning because grace abounds? For heaven's no. God, we don't want to continue sinning. We want to repent from it. We want to turn from it. But God, we recognize, Lord, that you're here tonight to set us free from the trap that the enemy would put us in, from the trap that the enemy would try and snare us in, God. So right now, I pray over each and every person in this place, Lord, if they're, Lord, you know the situation. You know the position of their hearts. So Father, I ask God that you would come and minister to them. Lord, that you would come and bring about a healing and a freedom, God, that you would break chains, that you would break bondage, that you would set captives free tonight. God, I believe that that this is a significant moment in people's lives. Father, we just want to give you all the glory. We just want to run towards you. Lord, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me. And Lord, Christ is the hope of glory. So Father, would you come and would you... Flood this place with your presence. And would you just minister to people right now? In Jesus' name, amen. So if you need prayer, I'd invite you to come down and join me down the front. And someone who loves you would pray for you, but I would invite you to stand up and worship God tonight um, as we just join again and, and seek him.